Well, a bye week for the Ducks or a work week, as Dan Lanning calls it, uh, definitely calls for some recruiting talk because Dan Lanning putting in the work on the trail. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I am your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. So if you have not already, please like, comment, subscribe, rate, review wherever you listen to or watch the show. Trying to get to 4,000 on YouTube. I believe in us. We can do it together. Thousands more on podcasts. Appreciate all of you. Today's episode brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn also our college recruiting sponsor here at the Locked On Network, and we have our Locked On Recruiting Insider, Brian Smith, with me here today to talk about some mid-season recruiting. Let's jump right into it, Brian. What, what is it like to recruit in the middle of the season, and is Oregon staff, led by Dan Landing, of course, taking the opportunity of a bye week to uh, you know, kind of ramp up their recruiting efforts as they look to finalize the 2024 class? It's usually pretty much the same across the board. It's go see your commits, especially your primaries or anybody you think might flip. And it's also about finalizing. There's going to be kids and talk about a couple of them here in a minute that it's down to the next two or three weeks, maybe month and a half. And they're going to make a decision. You got to make an impact. So you want to go to the games, be seen on the sideline, want to go by their high schools, make an impact and hopefully get them to come back to your campus. Even if it's unofficial. Making yourself known at their high school is huge, and Lanning and his staff do a really good job. Yeah, I, I thought I saw something. I wasn't able to confirm that Lanning and company were uh, going down to maybe see uh, Luke Moga, the Arizona-based uh, three-star quarterback commit. Do you think that that's how this staff is is approaching, you know, which kids they're prioritizing or talking to is looking at kind of the biggest positions or the highest rated recruits and saying, OK, we need to you know, make sure that these guys are still solid, that they're still with us and that they're not, uh, you know, uh, getting somebody else in their ear telling them to go elsewhere. Part of it is that part of it is you're still trying to run practice, do things on campus. So it depends on what you got going on, which coaches are available to hit the road and get on a, get on a plane. With MOGA, obviously, you want either the head coach and or your coordinator and or your quarterback coach. So, again, it depends on who's available. It's harder for like an OC or DC to hit the road, but they, they got to do it at the same time at some point because their presence is huge to help finalize kids that are committed, like you said. And then if you're going to get somebody like Jericho Johnson or something like that, the more eyeballs you get on him, the more times he sees your coaching staff come out to his games, big thumbs up. You, you can't do that enough. And that's why these coaches don't have much of a social life. They're on a plane if they're not at practice. So uh, Oregon still sits at number 12 nationally in the 24-7 sports uh, composite ranking, which is a, a good place to be. The last commitment the Ducks got was uh, Braden Platt out of uh, Yelm, Washington. We'll talk about another kid from Washington here in uh, just a moment. But is, is there a lot of buzz with Oregon on the recruiting trail? Is there a feeling that the class is going to go one way up or down, or is it just kind of, and we're, you know, in, in wait and see mode until we get closer to, to the early signing day. I would say it's the last and it's because they're in on so many high profile guys that 
don't talk much anymore. Aiden Breland in particular, we've talked about several times. He's not the most media friendly guy and he's an elite recruit. He changes your class if you get him, but most people think he's going to go to Georgia. Uh, Jericho Johnson, they got a great shot at him, but we still don't know for sure. It's going to come down to a handful of kids. Their class could end up at like number six, but it could also end up at like number 16. These are big time players. Their decision will greatly impact where Oregon is ranked at the final tally. Let's talk about Jason Brown, a four-star running back out of the state of Washington. Oregon, of course, playing there uh, next Saturday in Seattle against the Huskies. Where do you see this this recruitment at? And is Carlos Lachlan on the verge of getting his latest commitment? That guy is a tremendous recruiter. Um, I've met oh, him yeah. before. He's a good dude. And he's a hell of a coach. He put five guys in the NFL from Memphis, for crying out loud. So, you know, he can coach. I mean, that's it speaks for itself. And he's recruited this kid hard for a long time. There's not much talked about with him nationally because he's from Seattle. It's so remote to everybody else in the country. But his film is legit. And if Lachlan wants the kid, that's a good sign, too. So I'm going to be surprised if they don't get him because he rarely zeroes in on a guy for this long, especially if it's closer. Not very often he gets to recruit somebody close to Eugene. Uh, Seattle's about as close as he's going to get. So uh, it's just the way Oregon has to recruit. But And the other thing is Washington's a passing team. I mean, they could really use Brown, probably use him right now. But Washington's not the balanced offense Oregon is. I like the Ducks. Well, I, I, I agree with you on the philosophy part, having to play you know, an advantage. Does the game, do you think, matter at all in, in Jason Brown's recruitment? Like, is, is Washington after him in a big way? If they're not, their coaching staff needs to be fired. Yeah, you can't lose kids from right down the street from your school. And I, I know I've said this on this show before. O'Day is one of the most tradition-rich programs in all the Northwest. Always got power five kids. You have to recruit there hard. And they lose a lot of them, have traditionally, because a lot of the kids just want to get out of the city and do something different. But, I mean, if you're an offensive weapon, that's the other way they can look at it. Hey, if you come here, we'll find a way to get you the ball, which I'm not saying DeBoer wouldn't. But, again, they're a passing team. So next week's game doesn't matter a lot, maybe. But a kid like that coming from that program, he's going to be pretty well-rounded. I think he's going to look at it from the coaching staff, the school. Do I want to leave home? There's going to be things away from the game I think will be far more important. Yeah, I got a shout out O'Day High School. Uh, that's where my my cousins Ryan and Justin uh, went to school, and Miles Gaskin went went to high school at, at, at O'Day. And uh, I'm sure we all remember him from his days at Washington. He's still, I think, bouncing around in the NFL. Uh, he's he's a really really good player. So let's go to the other four star that Oregon's after in the 2024 cycle at what is probably Dan Lanning's favorite position to recruit. And I think Tosh Lupoi plays a factor probably. here as well. <laughs> yeah, pro- well, probably. You know, I, I, I say that only because I haven't asked him, but evidence uh, suggests that it certainly is. That's along the defensive line. Jericho Johnson is a name that Duck fans uh, should be aware of in the recruiting sense. Brian, so, you know, who is Jericho Johnson, first of all, for those who don't know, and where does Oregon stand with him right now? Confidence is high that they'll end up with him. He's from Northern California. Is the big-bodied, powered, interior defensive lineman that every school covets. He's got offers from coast to coast. SC, Washington, you're going to have Oregon in there, et cetera. I'm hearing Washington and some of those schools are still coming at him hard, but Oregon's the team to beat. He's been there, but he's got visits left. Out of all the recruitments, this is the one 
that is the most intriguing to me that Oregon's involved with because he's got a ways to go with his visits. This could go a lot of different directions. I don't know, but right now Oregon's this team to beat. And like you said, Dan does like his defensive linemen. I'm going to go out and let him guess he puts a lot of effort into this. Just, just going yeah. on the history here. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, history would tell you 10 defensive linemen total in the 2023 class, several of whom are playing right now on this Oregon defense and will play next week against Washington. And they're developing nicely, which is a transition into my last question for you here today. Brian, this came from the mailbag. YouTube comments or Twitter always available. If you want priority mailbag access, uh, join the Locked On Ducks subtext link in the description below wherever you're listening to or watching this show. This from DJ. Spencer, I was thinking that a possible reason we haven't received a few of the commitments we've wanted is fans, going back to the summer months, and guys like uh, Elijah Rushing or uh, Justin Williams, uh, is because of the development of the class that just came in. I'm saying it's rarely discussed how current players' development can cause a lack of starting time. Brian, is that something high school kids are, are, are paying attention to when they get recruited by a certain program? The only time that I really see that is quarterback. Um, and I get that because you just play like one guy. But most kids, especially like receiver or a corner or something where you rotate guys, it's not as big a deal. Quarterback's a bigger, bigger issue. Um, but like a kid like Williams, a kid out of Houston, he ain't gonna care. Like he just he picked Georgia. It is what it is. Now I'm not saying that it helps that the guys in Eugene are doing well, but then again, you can look at it and say, well, they're they're doing well in Georgia too. So Sometimes you just lose on a recruitment. And if you get beat by Georgia for a kid, okay, I, I get it. So Oregon's doing just fine. They're on the cusp of going into that final group that's an elite elite program. A couple more classes and they should be there. They're still going to lose some kids along the way, though. That's okay. The key here is that they're always in these recruitments. Think about how many big-time players you and I have discussed on this show this year. It's a ton. A lot. For a Texas, lot. For Florida. And, 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 or, and Oregon's missed some of those guys. But like you said – they're not losing them, you know, yeah. aside from Elijah Rushing, they're not losing them to anybody who isn't a top 10 recruiting power exactly. for, for the most part. I mean, it's like McClellan it went to Ohio State. Yeah, and I mean, right. I mean McClellan yeah, went I, to um, Ohio State or Baker went to Texas. Williams went to Georgia. You know, there, there aren't that many Arizonas. And by the way, I think Jed Fish exactly. is, is a good football coach down in Arizona as well. And I think the be, you know, staying home factor was kind of the, the, the big thing there that caused the Ducks to to miss out. So um, I, I think they're in a good spot recruiting-wise, but definitely some more names to watch. Brian Smith, our Locked On Recruiting Insider, a busy guy. We got more to get to on today's show, but I will relieve Brian of his duties for the day. Thanks, Brian. Thank you very much, sir. appreciate it. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business, and you want to be 100% certain, not 99, 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That is why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. So go in there, create a free job post in minutes, which is super, super easy. Add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile to spread the word that you're hiring. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free, helping you locate the best qualified candidates. Go to linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Just in a bouncy kind of mood today. Oregon can't lose this week. Can't win this week, but also can't lose. So 
next week. Boy, is that going to be fun. Let's get to the mailbag. Again, subtext is a way to get priority mailbag questions. Talk with me one-on-one. Get every detailed thought I've got on every single matter and get news as I hear it. And it's a way to get to, to just kind of leap the line. You know, that's the biggest thing. You get to leap the line. But mailbag is always open to everybody else as well, YouTube and Twitter. This from Spider McCloud 9702. I think the reason Penix has had so much time in the pocket this year is because Washington hasn't really played anyone. Certainly no one with a prolific defense. Spencer, your thoughts. So they played Arizona this past week and they put up 31 points, their lowest total of the season. Now you might look at that and say, oh, see, Washington's not as good as everyone hypes them up to be. I don't share that particular opinion. We know very, very well that going to play a team that is kind of middle of the conference for a power five league, such as the Pac-12, is not always easy when you have a rowdy environment. And that's what they faced down in Tucson. They handled it well. Final score was a little bit closer than the game actually was. Like Washington kept Arizona at an arm's length and then they were actually driving to to go up by three touchdowns. They fumbled inside the five and Arizona, to their credit, went down the field and scored a touchdown and then Washington had to recover an onside kick. Full credit to the Wildcats for that. But Washington wasn't, you know, I never felt they were in major danger of actually losing the game. It was just a good, solid performance from Arizona, who, by the way, I think is a pretty solid football team this year. Wildcats did have a backup quarterback playing in Noah Fafita. So that's, you know, a sliver of, you know, doubt, if you want to say that, for the Huskies. But I thought Fafita did a lot of things well. And the game probably would have played out about the same if uh, Jaden Delora had played. Maybe Arizona puts even more of a scare into him. They score a touchdown, uh, you know, sooner than, you know, with two minutes to go needing an onside kick. Maybe. Maybe they're able to do that. The thing to look at with, with Washington is through their first five games, th- th- there aren't a lot of ways where they could have been more impressive than they have been. And this applies to Oregon as well. This applies to the Ducks. And our Texas Tech is their Arizona. Power five team, middle of the road in the conference, right? Average to slightly above average, maybe at best. Rowdy environment, not a traditional power. And, you know, you didn't play your best game, but still ended up winning. Now, Oregon's game was far more in doubt against uh, Texas Tech than Washington was against Arizona. And according to the Vegas betting markets, Texas Tech was a better team than Arizona. And I think with Tyler Shuck, that was certainly true because Washington is a three and a half point favorite hosting Oregon next week. Oregon was a six and a half point favorite. Originally, it was a three point favorite against Texas Tech. Then the line moved after the Red Raiders lost to Wyoming. Washington was a 17 and a half point favorite against Arizona. Now, I think that's just slightly undervaluing Arizona, but also understanding that this Washington team is really, really good. So then you look at the rest of the opponents Washington's played. They played Boise State in week one, who's not that good, uh, with our old friend Andy Avalos over there. And they had a bad first quarter, and then they blew him out. And then they played Tulsa the next week, who's not that good, and they blew him out. Then they played Michigan State on the road. Power five team in complete and utter disarray with the Mel Tucker situation. And they went in there, and that game was literally never close from the first snap that Washington took uh, offensively. Like, the first snap was like a 40-yard completion to a wide-open receiver down the field, which if we start seeing that again, could be in for a long day. But I don't think we will. So Washington dominated Michigan State, dominated Tulsa, dominated Boise State, 
played well enough, or didn't play their best football, but still won against Arizona on the road. And and then they dominated Cal as well. So when, when you look at what they have done, the resume they have compiled, no, their strength of schedule is not outrageously good. Neither is ours, by the way. We don't have the toughest strength of schedule in the world. I think the best team we've played so far uh, was honestly Texas Tech with Tyler Shuck. And that was a game that we very easily could have lost. I think Oregon's been playing better since then. Haven't had as many penalties as they did against the Red Raiders. But Overall, I think there's one game that stands out as, you know, the most impressive performance. To me, that was Washington over Cal. Like, Cal is not great, but they're decent enough to where, like, they pushed Auburn. They should have beaten Auburn. Auburn, you know, could have beaten Georgia. Like, Cal is not a great team, but Cal is not a, you know, god-awful, disastrous football team by any stretch of the imagination, in my view, and based on the resume they've compiled, that, that appears to be the case. And... Washington was up like 52 to 12. And and then there was a bunch of garbage time yards and a comeback effort against a second string defense and whatnot. But like Washington against a good defensive coach and Justin Wilcox and a solid unit in Cal's defense, put up a bunch of points. They put up a bunch of points and moved the ball easily. They have looked through five games about as good as you can look, save for one game. Same thing with Oregon. So I understand that their schedule hasn't been very tough. Oregon is the best team they've played by far. And guess what? Washington is by far the best team we've played so far in 2023. So uh, I, I I get that they haven't played a great defense. I think Cal's is, uh, is pretty solid, actually. And Washington's passing offense is just that good. Um, and I think Cal's offense really didn't allow... Um, for for the defense to kind of shine through like they allowed a uh, or they threw a pick six and they had a special teams touchdown as well so the Cal defense you know really gave up 38 points to to Washington I think the final score is 52 to something in that game is like 55 30 I don't remember uh, specifically the score but uh, I, I think Washington's really, really good. Like against the competition they've played, they've looked outstanding. Oregon against the competition they've played, they've looked outstanding. And then there are those one games, both with uh, red in their uniform combination. Make of that what you will. Arizona and Texas Tech, where you say they didn't play their best football, but they still won. These are two top 10 teams. They're both top 10 teams for a reason. Washington is favored uh, for a reason, most notably that they are at home. Uh, but this is this should just be an outstanding football game. All right, I got a couple fun mailbag questions on a Friday, which I I am just all on board with. I'm all on board on FanDuel as well, because you can snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, whether you win or lose. How great is that? If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app's super easy to use, great interface, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. If you think Oregon is being disrespected as a three and a half point underdog against the Huskies, you can go hammer it all you want to your heart's desire at FanDuel. Go to Van, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, kick off the NFL season, and bet college football as well. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. All right, wrapping up with some more mailbag on a Friday. Also, the Big Ten schedule came out for the next, I think, four seasons. Look, if one of you wants me to talk about it, I can. I got to be honest, in the middle of the season right now, in 2023, when Oregon has a chance to go to the college football playoff with the team they have and the schedule they have, I, I really don't care about 2024. 
honest reaction. In the offseason, I will absolutely care about it because we got to talk about something, right? Got to talk about football, count down the days till the season returns. But like when we're in the middle of the season here, I care very little about what's happening one, two, three, and four years down the line. We wait all year, nine months the offseason goes from the bowl game to the first game of uh, the next season. We go nine months waiting for football. It's finally here. I, I'm not, I don't want to spend a bunch of time looking at you know, what Oregon's going to have in 2024. We're going to have plenty of time to do that in the offseason, and that's what I'll care about. If you want me to, I will. This is, this is the people's show. I'm responsive to what you all want, of course, forever and always. Just saying on a personal level, I really don't care. And it was weird. It, like a home game against Illinois that's in conference is weird. Okay, let's go to uh, beginner Catholic here, regular listener of the show, and every day or you could call him. Good afternoon, Spencer, quote, Sage of the Second Segment Sip McLaughlin. That's outstanding. That is outstanding. Five points for Hufflepuff. I have a fun question that I'm quite keen to hear the answer to. If you were asked to put together a basket for Chopped, a show on Food Network, which course would you choose? What ingredients would you include and why? So I would want to push the limits of what the chefs are are able to accomplish, which means I'm going to the dessert round. The, the, the entree round is the easiest one because you have the most options and the most time. The appetizer round is probably the second toughest because you have the time restriction. You only have 20 minutes. But the dessert round, you can throw in some ingredients in there that that just don't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. So I'm going to think of four ingredients here. I did not plan out my response to this question, though I knew it was here. So I, I would definitely go dessert. And I just wouldn't want to give any layups at all whatsoever so i'm gonna throw a vegetable in there let's go with celery uh you got to make celery into the dessert uh, i would want to put some kind of candy um not not candy necessarily because that 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 can readily be made into something sweet i suppose you can't make it impossible but something sweet you know i got dried mangoes the other day i i'd go with that uh so celery dried mangoes you gotta have some kind of meat in there because that makes it extra challenging and <laughs> pushes your, your your creative limits um because this is an Oregon show, I'll go with duck. I don't know if it's bad as an Oregon fan to say this, but like duck is really, really delicious. It also has a tenderness about it. Like it can be super salty. So kind of making a salty, sweet, uh, you know, duck centered dessert would be really, really tough. So duck, celery, dried mangoes, and what would a fourth? It's, it's got to be like a random ingredient, you know, something that that you just wouldn't you wouldn't ordinarily use in the caliber of kitchen that these chefs are, are, are in and are accustomed to being a part of. What's like the most random thing? Ooh, ooh, I think I, I think I got one. Fruit snacks. That's my basket. Duck, fruit snacks, dried mango, and celery. Make me a dessert. Good luck. Um, boy, that'd be a wicked basket, wouldn't it? Okay. Let's end with this uh, from Simone. Here's a fun one when you get the chance. I got the chance today. If you had to describe Pac-12, RIP, as she says, stadiums as Star Wars planets, what would they be? I love this question so much. I need a sip. Hold on. I love this question so much. I'm a big Star Wars fan. I have uh, enjoyed Ahsoka. 
I think it is good. Not as good as Andor, which is probably the best, you know, miniseries that uh, Disney Plus has ever released. But Ahsoka is quite good. So I thought about this. I, I, I thought about this um, a good deal. Let's let's start. I'm I'm doing these kind of in pairs because there there's often a correlation here. And of course, I'm saving Otzen for last. Down in the desert, Mountain America Stadium, formerly Sun Devil Stadium. I'm going with Yavin Four, and the reason is that it's one of those places you you don't know off the top of your head the name of it anymore because they changed it. Uh, that's just at Mountain America Stadium, but you don't know it off the top of your head and you really don't hear about it until something happens. Because ASU, you don't really hear about them now until they do something because they're in the stage of a tough rebuild. Wildcat Stadium in Tucson is Endor because you go in there and you expect to win and then sometimes you come out and you're like, wait, we lost? How did we lose? How did we... How do we lose to, as my friend calls them, the furry guys? That's what he refers to the Ewoks as. And um, you got a wildcat, which has got some fur on it. So I think that tracks. So Wildcat Stadium, Endor. Folsom Field is Kashyyyk, home of the Wookiees, because the loyalty of those Boulder fans through the entire time of them being terrible was admirable and who stood by the good guys the entire time as they transitioned from the Clone Wars to uh, the Galactic Civil War, the Wookiees. So that is why it is Kashyyyk. Rice Eccles Coliseum is Camino, of course, the clone factory. Why? I also thought about Geonosis here, but I landed on Camino because it's a little bit more of a positive uh, correlation, I think, or association rather. But I mean, it's just a factory, right? It's a clone factory. Kyle Whittingham is running a factory. Every year, Utah is the same kind of team. Good enough offense, good defense, and not a bunch of big-time recruits. Rice-Eccles is Camino. Uh, the Rose Bowl, which is where UCLA plays, is Coruscant because it's in the midst of a big city. I think that makes a lot of sense. L.A. Coliseum is the Death Star, which is not a planet, but it looked like a planet, so that's close enough. And it's the Death Star or, you know, Star Killer Base, if you prefer, fine, whatever you want to go with, which is, you know, new Death Star. What a terrible plot line that was. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, Star Killer Base, I'll, I'll go with that. Um, and, and that's because USC blew up the entire conference and, you know, worked pretty hard to do so, and that's where they're based out of. So, um <laughs> I apologize, but don't apologize for this next one. So the farm where we just played last week is Hoth because there aren't very many people on Hoth. Not very many people on the farm. Uh, Memorials Coliseum where Cal plays is also Hoth because there aren't that many people there. Sorry, guys. Uh, you, you know, you reap what you sow. Um, Martin Stadium up in Pullman where the Cougs play is Scarif because the Cougs right now have that kind of us against the world mentality and it's a tough place to play and it's loud and it's scrappy and that's what happened on Scarif. Rebels on Scarif in the best Star Wars movie ever made, Rogue One. So uh, Martin Stadium is Scarif. Husky Stadium is Naboo. Uh, I know it's uh, Husky hate week and such for a lot of you out there, but if you're talking about the most scenic in all of the Pac-12 
and the water component being there, this was a pretty easy selection for me. So uh, Husky Stadium is Naboo. Reeser Stadium... <laughs> oh, I made myself laugh. Reeser Stadium is Alderaan because it got destroyed. <laughs> uh, obviously, like Alderaan didn't get built back up and... And Reeser Stadium did, and Reeser Stadium is bigger and better. But I just had that image in my head of Reeser Stadium going, um, and Alderaan also. So uh, anyway, and what does that leave us with? Oh, yeah, that's right, Autzen Stadium. Autzen Stadium is, for us Duck fans, of course, Tatooine. Why? Because Tatooine is the most iconic planet in all of Star Wars. There are many and iconic ones in the world of Star Wars that George Lucas created. None more so than Tatooine, the double sunsets. It just fits. It just fits perfectly. I loved that question so much. And I'm sorry to my beaver friends out there who are listening or watching and got compared to Alderaan. But it's just... Anyway, it's been rebuilt. Reaser looks great. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.